Thank you for joining the Pinewood Church Podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you fresh perspective on how God is moving in your life. For more information, visit us at pinewoodboulder.com. Enjoy the message. We're continuing our values. This is going to be good. Before we get into this, the message tonight, I wanted to take a, a minute and I wanted to talk about a very, very, very important day that is happening tomorrow. Tomorrow is Memorial Day, and this weekend we celebrate Memorial Weekend, and we all love a long weekend. But there's something special about Memorial Day. And I, I just want to recognize it for a minute because, you know, we could definitely get caught up in the grill out and the boulder boulder and all this awesome fun stuff that we're all going to do and miss the reality that uh, there were brave men and women who have gone before us who fought for us and who sacrificed and laid down their lives so that we could enjoy the freedom that we have today and uh, we, we we're all about honor here at pinewood church honor is our commitment and so memorial day is a day that we can both remember and honor all of those brave men and women who have gone before us it's a privilege that we even get to be in this space to worship uh, and to enjoy all the freedoms that we have so we can we just uh, take just a second and give it up and give it a shout and honor for our amazing men and women who have gone before us we remember you we honor you and we're grateful for all of the men and women that fight today for us so we're, we're continuing our value series, and tonight we're talking about our third value. We have seven, and it's been, this is one of my favorite series that we do all year, just because we get to talk about who we are. You know, what is it about Pinewood Church that makes Pinewood Pinewood? It's our values and our mission. Our mission is to meet people where they are and to point them to Jesus. And we've been going through our values, and tonight we're going to be talking about how generosity is our privilege. It's a privilege to be generous. So I want to first kind of unpack that, and then we're going to dive into the text. Matthew chapter 6. I thought Ross was about to steal my message tonight. Ross, I would have loved it if you did, man. I'm sure it's gold, whatever you have to say. But we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 19 through 24. But what do we mean when we say generosity is our privilege? A privilege is this idea that it's a, a special honor. So it's, it's a special honor that we get to do something. Like if you get asked to speak at a, you know, a friend's birthday party or something like that or a wedding, it's, oh, it'd be my privilege. It's a special honor for me to do this. And that's how we look at generosity. We don't look at generosity as something that is, we are obligated to do. It's like, welcome to Pinewood Church. Are you here? Are you ready to be generous? No, that's weird. We're not like that. It's not, a, it's not an obligation. You don't have to sign something that I will give this much, dot, dot, dot. No, 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 that's, that, no. that's not what we do here. It's a privilege to be able to give to the mission of Pinewood Church, to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. I, I like to say it this way. It is a special honor to glorify God through our obedient generosity. It's a special privilege. So, I don't know... Uh, if you've thought much about just the reality of money over your life. But we're talking about, tonight we're going to be talking about how the investments you make affect, really, your interest in whatever you're investing in. Is that true? I mean, let's talk about the Boulder Boulder for a minute. I signed up today. I was one of the procrastinations. 
I signed up today, and uh, it's okay. I'm in it, and I got my badge. But I didn't care about the Boulder Boulder until I put money down. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't care at all. I, I honestly, I haven't even really trained for it, like at all. Uh, I, I haven't looked at. <laughs> it's fine. I run ish. I run, Andy. Right? We were running. Um, but I haven't really thought much about the Boulder Boulder. But then the second I put my money down. All of a sudden, I'm all about the Boulder Boulder. I got the shirt. I'm looking at the weather. I'm immediately regretting not training. <clears throat> all the things. I'm looking at what time do I need to be there. I want to get there early, but not too early. I need that extra hour of sleep. So I'm, I'm, I'm very interested. Why? Because I invested in it. The same is true uh, this weekend. My family spent a couple days in Breckenridge. And you may think, why would you go to Breck? in the spring. That's exactly why we went to Breck in the spring. Nobody was there. Nobody goes, apparently, to Breck in the late spring. I was kind of surprised by that. But whenever we started looking at hotels, all the hotels that are normally expensive were dirt cheap. Shout out, family vacay to Breckenridge. Every time that happens, we're like, mark it down next year, same time, same place. But it was dirt cheap, and we were stoked out of our mind. We got this, uh, we stayed at this uh, Beaver Run Resort. And we, we, one of the reasons why we chose this was because when we go anywhere as a family, I have five kids, by the way, all under seven. And whenever we go anywhere, uh, we like to uh, think strategically ahead and think, okay, what are we doing with the kids during this time? And so whenever we booked this hotel, uh, just specifically said, I wanted an indoor pool so that while I'm skiing with the boys, she can swim in the indoor pool with the kiddos. Sounds rational. And so we booked the hotel we made an investment. We booked the hotel. We show up. And would you believe the pool's down? Not only just the pool, but they had a game room, game room down. Fitness center, fitness center down. The whole lounge area down for renovations. <clears throat> now, you can imagine the spirit, spiritual warfare. Thank you. Thanks, spiritual warfare. Spirit, in Jesus' name pool open up. Well, it did. And it was a, it's a prayer because it opened up the next day. But anyways, regardless of that, regardless of that, we were like legitimately, I'm like, I'm trying to play it cool because it's family vacay. I don't want to be the angry dad. And so I'm like, it's fine team. We're still going to have a lot of fun. I secretly got the new, um, how to train a dragon at the red box. And I said, it's fine guys. The pool's down, but we're going to go up and we're going to watch how to train your dragon. We go up to the room, we get everything set out, we get everybody in the jammies, we get everything down, and guess what? No DVD player. Ouch. And I'm like, play it cool. So one thing after the next, and I, I was, we, it ended up being okay. We figured it out. We had a lot of fun, amazing family vacay. But why was I so upset? Why did, was it such a big deal? I was invested in it. Had that been a free hotel and somebody said, hey, I gifted you this hotel, I would have walked in and I would have been like, Hey, no pool? Oh, it's okay. I'm just happy to be here. You know, this is free. I got nothing in it. Because I had something in it, all of a sudden I was more interested than I normally would have been. And that's kind of the principle that I want to lean into tonight as we think about our generosity towards the mission of the church. Let's go ahead and look, if you will, to, I don't have many of my notes up here. Let's, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. I love this text. I'll explain why. 
in a second. Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Let's read this together. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible uh, at all, we want to give you one. It's uh, our gift to you. We have Bibles in the back. We hope that you grab one on your way out. Take two if you want. And and I'll take it a step further. Since generosity is our privilege, if you want a study Bible, I'll buy you one of those too. Tonight only. Let me know. If you want a study Bible, come find me. I want to get you a study Bible. If we have 40 people say they want a study Bible, (laughs) that's going to be good. It's going to be good. We're going to be extra prayer time at the end of the service. Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I love this text so much because this is sandwiched right in the middle of what we like to call the Sermon on the Mount. So just to give you a little bit of context of what's going on uh, with this passage, this is early in Jesus' ministry. Uh, He'd been tempted by uh, the devil, and then he comes out and goes around, uh, tempted by the devil, but he did not cave. Amen. Perfect, sinless. Just saying that. Then he comes out and he goes about preaching and teaching, uh, and he goes healing people. And the word began to spread and actually kind of built quite the following for Jesus. And so he was going around and people from all over began following because he's preaching of the kingdom of God. The good news, as uh, scripture says, of the kingdom of God. And he was healing the sick, sick from all kinds of diseases. So as this was taking place, a large crowd had gathered around him. And the scriptures say in the beginning in Matthew 5, it says that he turned around, he saw the big crowd, he climbed up a mountain and he sat down. See, Jesus is a chill preacher. I have to get up here and flam my arms a little bit. Jesus, he can preach the best sermon of his life, just kind of chill, sitting down. You know what I'm saying? That's Jesus. This is also an amazing text because we get so much good meat from this text. This is the longest of all Jesus' teachings is this Sermon on the Mount. It begins in Matthew chapter 5 and it ends in Matthew chapter 7. We got all the good stuff, stuff that we know and love, the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, which, Father, who art in heaven. That's the Lord's Prayer. That's the, that's the Sermon on the Mount. And there's so many foundational tenets to Christian discipleship that's included here in this Lord's Prayer. So this part, this section that we read, is right dead in the middle of it. What's at the heart? What's at the center? Jesus talking about money, which isn't odd. I really didn't have to look hard to try to find a passage where Jesus talks about money. Or where anybody really talks about money. Money is talked about more in the Bible than you would possibly imagine. Just look it up. The the title of tonight's message is All About the Mission. All About the Mission. And I want to unpack three questions for us to consider out of this text. We're going to do a little bit of discovery today. So I want you to ponder these questions in your own life. Three questions. For taking notes, the first is this. What's 
my treasure. What's my treasure? So it's talking about don't store for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust and thieves can do a bunch of terrible stuff to, to your stuff. But store them in heaven. And, and I think it's important if we're going to be thinking and leaning really hard into this idea of treasure, which that treasure, that word means valuables, things that are valuable to you. What is my treasure? What is my treasure? I think it's important where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Not where your heart is, there your treasure. There you will find your treasure. I think it's important to look at the order of the text. This is one of the things that jumped out to me as I began to look at it. It says, where your treasure is, your heart follows. So where your treasure goes, your heart follows. Isn't that a sobering thought? I I haven't really, I guess, taken as much time to think about that reality. So if, if, if where your treasure goes, your heart goes, it could also be said that where your treasure goes, the real you goes. The true you. You see, I've always believed that it's possible to have your heart go somewhere and you not invest your money in there, but as I began to think about that in kind of more like practical real life scenarios, I began to think about my, my wife. Begin to think about marriage. And I remember on our first date, we went on a run. Yes, that was free. And I ran hard, tried to impress her. I felt it later. But then uh, at the end of that run, I said, she was much faster and stronger than me. She was training for a marathon. I was eating uh, Oreos. <laughs> and just watching Seinfeld. I don't know how doll. She's like the most fit person ever. Yeah, they are vegan. Thanks, Jake. Thanks. And, <laughs> and, but at the end of our run, I approached my wife and I said, I'd like to take you on a date. I want to make an investment here. I believe in this thing. I did. And what did we do? We went out and we went on a date. I took her to Gaylord Opry Lane Hotel. We went around in Nashville, trying to impress her. But what, what happened? My investment was there. I wanted to make an investment, show her that I was serious. I, I, I hear a lot of people say, <clears throat> especially in marriage, it's like, you know, I'm about to date my wife. It's kind of in a busy season right now, you know. I don't have the resources for it. I'm telling you right now, intimacy follows your investment. No, it doesn't have to be extravagant. I'm just I'm trying to encourage somebody here today. You don't have to be extravagant. I'm not talking chop house, dozen fresh roses, and a horse-drawn carriage. Come on. Although, if you're taking notes. No, I'm just saying something, something to show, hey, I'm invested in this thing. I believe in this thing, and I want to love you in this way. I believe when we're serious about something, our investments follow now, I want to say something very, 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 very clear here before I move on any further. I want to say this. We're talking a lot about money tonight. We're talking a lot about treasure. I want, to, I want you to hear this before I go any further. God is not after your money. Because I'm going to be talking about a lot of different things in scriptures as it relates to money. And, I'm, and you may be thinking, like, this guy's coming at me about my money. No, no, no. I, I'm not coming at you. I just want to preach the text and as best of my ability. But God's not after your money. It's after your heart. It just so happens those things are together. If you, if, 
if you don't believe me, just, just think about your own life as it relates to your, your money and your resources. And they're together. There's this quote that says, your heart isn't in it until your treasure is attached to it. Great Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. said that. Heart isn't in it until your treasure is attached to it. So we're doing some self-discovery tonight on what is my treasure. We're going on a little heart discovery trip. And so I want to, I want, this is what this is all about. I want to unpack for you how we spend our money. So there's some basic, I did a lot of research this week on how we spend our money. Where, where's our money go? We get paid. Where's our money go? All right. Most of our money goes in this bucket right here. It's called the big three. Can anybody tell me what the big three is? Shout it out if you think you know. No, we're almost there. Housing, yes, yes. Transportation. Food. That's the big three. Now, the numbers are, are a little bit different, uh, but the labor law of dot, 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 they, this, the labor law says that it's anywhere between 62% and 70% of our income go in the big three. That's why it's the big three. The big three. Don't you think? And this is, this is big, right? Housing, transportation, food. The big three. 62 to 70% of our income right out of the gate, gone. In Boulder, housing is like 80% of your income. And then you put a few more dollars in there for food. When you can. When you can. <laughs> that's just the reality of it. Well, I thought that was it. And that's including utilities and everything. So I got a little bit of, uh, I got a little bit of money here. I got a little bit of moolah. So let's go ahead and pay, pay our rent for the month. Uh, for, uh, that's what? Men of what? 10 grand? Is that, Boulder, does that sound about right? All right, lavish, baby. Let's lavish. For, all right, then we're going to put a little bit in there for uh, food. And then let's, let's, let's let, we got to cover gas, all right? So we'll put a little, couple 20s in there for gas. A couple hundred. I don't know how much you're driving, but. So we're making an investment in the big three. Okay. Next, entertainment. These are our hobbies. Uh, these are the things that we love. This is basically anything fun. So, ski, like, yeah, this is anything fun. We're like, you can have it all. No, but it's, it's take, our, take our money. This is our ski pass. This is a new bike. Signing up for the Boulder Boulder. And a couple just for fun. All right, so we're putting money in entertainment. Next... Personal care. Now, I just want to say this about personal care. Some people invest more in this than others. But we love all people. And there's no judgment here. We love everybody just the same. Personal care, that's, that's hygiene, that's doctor appointments, dentist appointments. This is health insurance would fall into personal care. Lands in around 11%, depending. Uh, so let's just, okay, so we put a little bit of money in there too. Not a lot, but, you know, depends on who we are. We, we like to, you know, put one of those in there. Okay. For good measure. All right, moving on. This is, this is a painful one. Ooh. 
Uh, makes your knees buckle. Uh, listen, I just want to say to everyone in the room tonight, it's real. Struggle with debt is real, especially if you're a young adult of any kind and went to college. Hello. Debt is a struggle, and it hurts, and it's painful. And many of us, many of us say this uh, with our debt. is. Remember talking about the the darkness and the overwhelming sense of burden that we feel in our finances pretty much? I mean, yeah, I'm sure we feel it in the big three, but hey, look, we're going to eat. Entertainment, you know, if I got to, but man, this one, this one just seems to weigh on us heavy. When, when you, if you're in here and you have debt today, I just want to acknowledge the struggle with this is real, but I also want to acknowledge that Jesus can do anything. He can work miracles even in this. Miracles. Yeah, are you, am I going to have to work for it? Yes. Prob- yeah, probably. You're probably going to have to work. I could just see somebody right now, all day, all week, just in the room, just Jesus, make it rain, baby. Make it rain. <laughs> Grow that money tree in the backyard. I believe. Faith is a mustard seed. Make that seed a money tree. No, you're going to have to work. But Jesus can do miracles. I'm going to tell you a story about a miracle of debt um, in just a minute. Not right now. Not right now. Then we have investments. I know many of you here today, I know we're a young crowd, or many of you here today are like, wait, I thought we already did investments. We have entertainment up here. That's investment in my future, investment in my fun. I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Okay, for those of you, okay, for some of you, investments is a 401k, a retirement plan. You put a little money away for the future. Maybe it's a life insurance policy you put in because you're, you're wanting to, you know, take care of people. We put a little bit of, oh, let's put a, hold on, we got to put like, we got to put a little in our debt. And then we put, we put a little in our investments right here. Let's, let's try to, let's try to put a, a little bit. I don't know, five to seven, five to ten percent in an investment in a 401k. And that one we really monitor, right? When we make money and when we put money in our investments, it's like we're like fine-tuned to what is happening to my money. Is it going up, going down? We really care about this one. We really care about all of them, if we're being honest. This last one uh, is kingdom. Kingdom. And this is kingdom work. It, there's this thing in Scripture uh, just trying to help you understand of, the scripture says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And, your, and this idea of like, God's kingdom coming down is, is heaven coming down. What would it look like if heaven came down and we truly lived out the principles of the kingdom of God? What would that look like? So when we say we want to advance the kingdom, what we're saying is we want to advance God's will in every way, shape, and form in every life here in Boulder. So what can we do that helps fulfill that? What can we do to help advance God's will in every way, shape, and form, his kingdom, heaven come to Boulder, in Boulder as is in heaven. How can we do that? And there are many ways. Giving to kingdom initiatives and giving to uh, the local church is a way to do that. But let's not give anything to the kingdom yet. So these are kind of the bigger ways that we spend our money. And now let's talk about our heart. I lost some of you just right when I pulled that heart out. You're like, oh my gosh, where is he going? Scripture says that where uh, your treasure is, your heart will be also. Not where your heart is, your treasure 
will be, where your treasure is, your heart will be. So, I don't know, as we're doing a little investigation here, I just want you to kind of look at these things. I, I want us to think, we're trying to discover where our heart is. So, I just, just look, at, look at these things up here and just think like, where, is my, where does my investment, where does my generosity, where does my giving lie predominantly? I, just, I can tell you right now, it's, it's probably in the thing that consumes your thoughts the most. It's probably in the thing that consumes the majority of your energy. It's probably in the place that you give the most attention to. Could be the big three. If you're trying to pay off your student loans, maybe this thing just has you, man. It's got you. It's like, oh, just you're anxious to it. And you've been saying all along, like, like God, like, like I, I give you my, I, my debt, but it, and I, I promise I'll be generous as soon as I'm debt-free. I, I promise. That's my plan. The second that I'm debt-free, you, you got, you got all, all of me. But until that time, I got some work to do. So our heart is in our debt and where our treasure is. That's, that's where our affections are. It's where our investment lies in the debt. Maybe in retirement. Could be in just having fun. It's like, man, I'd really love to give to the advancement of the kingdom of God, but I live in Boulder. Are you kidding me? I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I want to take advantage of every second, every penny that I got because the mountains are calling and I must go. Anybody ever thought that, said that? I get that we want to have fun. And so, but I mean, if that's, if that's, what's in your heart and your mind and that where your where your treasure is your heart goes what you want to see the heart is not actually the thing pumping life through you the heart is your soul it's the real you it's the true life i love luke 12 15 it says this he then told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions One's life is not in the abundance of possessions. Guess what happens to all of your possessions when you die? Gone. Gone. You can't take them with you. But I really like my mountain bike. I'm sorry. When you die, someone gets your mountain bike. It's the reality of it. You can't take none of it with you. I love, in the scriptures, it speaks of moth, rust, and thieves. It pretty much put everybody on the same playing field. Moth, this represents the fabrics, uh, some, an animal that came to ease the way at the fabrics. That's what you wear. Then it talks about the rust. And this actually isn't talking about just metal that's outside that gets rained on and rust. No, it's actually talking about a vermin that eats the food storage. So it's talking about your food. So your clothes, your food, and then it says where thieves can break into steel is pretty much everything else in your life. Have you ever had anything stolen? It doesn't feel good, right? Having something stolen can well have inside of you this, like, vengeance that you never knew was there. You're like, if I ever come across that person, because your money's involved. creates this passion inside of you. But what you see is something temporary and something eternal. Temporary, eternal. Store for yourselves treasures on heaven neither moth nor rust, nor where no thief can break in and steal. 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I love that passage. Matthew twenty two thirty seven, And he said to him, Love the Lord God with all of your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. There's something about that we see clearly God is calling us to, to get all of us and not part of us. Moving on. Uh, what's my treasure? What's my treasure? Is my treasure temporary or is it in eternal? Where's my focus is question number two. It says the eye is the lamp of the body. This is referring to the, there's a good eye and there's a bad eye. And these are expressions for a singular and undivided focus. So number two is, where's my focus? What's my treasure? Where's my focus? Uh, this is a, a, a Greek word, hapless. And that word that is referenced there is single, undivided. And that's something that is not complicated or confused. It's basically saying that when it comes to money, there's either a single focus or divided focus. It's complicated and confused. It's if your eyes are going both directions at the same time. That'd be hard to focus. But what Scripture is saying is a good eye is a, a single focus. He's drawing a line in the sand here. In Jewish writings, a good eye represented a generous attitude, and a bad eye represented a stingy attitude. You had an undivided focus. It would be, it would be like looking at this with undivided focus being like, uh, I, give, so I give to the kingdom, but then this is my stuff. This is my stuff. So un, that's an un, unfocused, undivided, the divisiveness in our treasures. Guys, I know there's a singularity to what I'm, what I'm trying to teach you here and trying to get you to understand. So to do a little bit of focus test, we went on a treasure hunt. Let's do a focus test. Which occupies your thoughts, your time, and your efforts, money or God? It's a focus test. Finances or God? What makes you worry? What keeps you up at night? What maybe wells up some fear inside of you? What is your focus? I can tell you right now, if you, if you feel those things, there's a good chance it's on the temporary. Why? How fleeting is money? I was actually just, while we're uh, reading this book together, because I'll do anything for my wife. But it's a good book. I like it. Magnolia story. <laughs> you already, some of you know, some of you don't. It's a good book. It's love. And in this book, it was so interesting because they were telling their stories of how, man, they would be flipping houses and they were blowing, going, they were crushing it, making tons of money. And then all of a sudden, bad deal, everything gone. And then all of a sudden, you know, they kind of rebuild and then they, they would start making money again. And they grew to this really big, they started this development and all this stuff. They were builders. And all of a sudden, the housing market crashed. Everything, I mean, they almost pretty much lost everything. And I loved this book so much because throughout the entire book, there was this thread where they would say, even though we lost everything with a mountain of debt behind us, impossible scenario, we never lost our peace. I always felt the peace of God over our family. We never lost our joy. Yeah, of course we were, you know, what are we, how are we going to handle this? But, but they had a heavenly focus a singular focus. And what did God do? He does what he always does because he's faithful. He took care of them. I love this idea that, you know, we give to all of these things and this is where our treasure is, but there's something interesting that happens when we give to the kingdom 
of God. This is, uh, this is fake money, by the way. This is, this is a 50. Seriously, uh, it's fake. It's fake money. I know you think I'm up here rolling in it. It's fake. I mean, it's, you get a 50. You get a 50. You get a, it's, it's fake. It's fake. It's fake. It's fake. But something interesting happens in the kingdom of God. Because little is much when God touches it, right? You're like, yeah, but I don't make a lot. I mean, is, is my little really that significant to, to the work of the kingdom of God? Or You give a little, this is what happens. You give a little, a little five, ten, drop a fifty. And you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out in faith. I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust. And you know what? I'm going to give my first. I'm going to trust God. I'm going I'm to build into this kingdom. I'm going to make an investment in the kingdom. And it's so interesting what God does because God takes that investment. When you're faithful, when you say, you know, I may have, I may have some debt. I'm working on it. I, I want to still put a little here. And, and, and you want to you wanna do all of these things. But you say, you know what? Kingdom first. Kingdom first, Jesus first, God first. There's something about the first. It's a, it's a biblical principle, and I'm going to give God my first, and I'm going to trust God with the rest. I can promise you, I can promise you, promise you, promise you. You say, how can you promise? Because uh, God promises. I can only promise because Jesus promises. But I can promise you he is going to take care of you. If you read later on in this text, in this story, he says, who do you think clothes the fields and feeds the birds? He's like, how much more does your Father in heaven want to bless you? You're like, what are you preaching? I'm preaching God loves you, and he's going to take care of your needs. That You can trust him that he's a faithful God. So what happens? You give God your first, and then all of a sudden, that little that you gave God, that little that you gave God when you didn't really know, he just starts taking care of your needs. I don't even know where it comes from at the time. I can promise you there have been times in our life when we did not have the resources. I told my wife early on, I'm just going to confess. These are my confessions, okay? I am not a super naturally generous person. It's confessing that. If you come up, ask for $100 from me, old me would have been like, you working? You, you, you. What, you, what you doing? I would have been that way. I was a stingy guy. I was working three jobs trying to just barely pay my bills. Working, there were some weeks where I'd work over 100 hours a week. I was disciplined to work, two full-time jobs and one part-time job. And I said, I'll just do whatever I got to do to pull myself out of this. And I worked hard, worked hard. And I felt God telling me over and over and over again, hey, bro, where your, uh, your, your, your treasure isn't exactly, I'm like, no, 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 I'm dying here. I'm focusing on my debt, and I'm going to stay above water. God, I'll get to you later. Six months I struggled. And I, I mean, I was getting physically ill. Everything was happening over my life. And then I went on a run with my wife, who's an incredibly generous person. Started dating my wife, super generous person. It was infectious. It was contagious. I saw how she gave. I saw how generous she was. And even when we started dating and getting married, she was like, this is just who I am. This is going to be a part of our life. And I remember when we got married, uh, we had that amazing moment. She's like, my problems are now her problems. And she's like, this is a struggle. I'm like, yeah. But now I feel a little better about it, so. 
Love you. I'm confessing here. Feels good to get it off my chest. And she said, uh, right out of the gate, we were sitting there running our budget of all of these things, and she just right off the top was just like, bam, 10% of both of our incomes were going back into the church. No question. And when you ran the numbers, no bueno. No bueno. Didn't work out for us. And we said, all right, but we're going to be faithful. I said, no, 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 you're right. I, here's, this is how bad I am. I said, you give to the church and just don't tell me. I don't want to know. You pay the bills. I want to do it too. I'm in it with you. But like, just do it. Just cut the check at the beginning of every month. And, I, and I'm going to have faith. That's, that's good faith, right? But, and she did. And she was faithful. And we had even worse days than that in the future. Bleak bleak moments where we didn't have a dime literally but we never missed a meal always had clothes God always provided in every way above and beyond all we could have ever dreamed so much so it was one miracle after the next so much so that God wiped away all of our debt every penny of it in less than five years an insurmountable amount of debt, mind you, school debt for both of us. Wiped it clean. Wiped all of our other debt. Gave us cars. Gave us blessings. Put people around us to send us out here. And he has, to this day, blessed us beyond anything we could ever imagine. He's faithful. I'm not up here preaching something we haven't lived out ourselves. This is not me, like, boasting, like, look at me. Look how generous I am. Be like me. No, 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 no. That's not what this is about. No, I don't want you to be. I want you to have a much better attitude than I have. I want you to be much cheerful in giving than I am, much more generous than I am. But I'm preaching because I want to tell you that God is faithful. I promise you he's faithful to take care of you. There were moments, oh, man, there's a thousand. I'm going to write a book called All the Times God Has Blessed Us. There have been moments where we were calling, we, we, God called us to go, you buy it, thank you. I, two, I sold two copies, pre-order. Make it three. Okay, do I have a fourth? Do I have a fourth? I'll get writing this weekend. Uh, but there, there's, I'm just, okay, too many to name. God called us to go on a mission trip. And we were broke, poor. And he told us that we're going to go to Morocco and uh, we're going to try to go to unreached and unengaged people groups. And we wanted to spend several months out there, two different times in our lives. And we owned our own businesses, so we had a little bit of flexibility. But we did not have the resources to go on this trip. But we said, you know what? God called us. We're going to do it. Would you believe? You would believe. This is true. This is true. We talked to each other and we said, what's the dollar amount that we need to cover all of our expenses at home so that we could thrive out there as we go and serve God in this mission field? And it was right around $1,400. We prayed about it. Was it the next day? It was like freakishly soon. Either the next day or a couple days later. A guy in our church comes to me, unsolicited. Nobody knew we were doing this. And he said, I felt like God was calling me to give you $1,400. And I have no idea why. Started bawling and crying right there. And I'm like, you kidding me? Do you have any idea? He's like, no, don't even tell me what it is. He's like, I don't, I don't even want to know. Just take your wife on a vacation if you want. I'm like, no, 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 no. God called us to this thing. We stepped out in faith to do this thing. And now look how God is providing that is one of like a gazillion examples of how when you step out in faith and you're obedient to do what God has called you to do, God says, I'm going to take care of you. You know who I am. 
You think that I can speak the earth into existence, but I'm not going to care for my children? No, he's going to be faithful. But you have a singular focus. And the last thing is, who will I serve? You cannot serve both God and money. That word serve means to be enslaved by. Whew, that puts a little extra weight, right? Because you're like, surely I can serve both God and money. I'm doing it right now. No, no, no. That word is to be enslaved by. So you have to choose. Am I going to be enslaved by God or enslaved by money? It's a choice. There's no gray area here. First Timothy 6.10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered far from the faith. It's, it's, it's not about money. Uh, and money in itself is not this evil thing that's, oh, no, i got to raise money. Oh, evil is creeping into my life. No, 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 that's not, that's not, what, it, that's not what that means. That's, <laughs> if you got to raise, God bless you. We celebrate that. That's not, that's not what he's talking about here. It says the love of money. He's talking about materialism. You're just so, in, yeah, i got to have more, and you're greedy. Money's a funny thing because uh, money doesn't uh, in itself uh, does it create the problem, right? It's not like, well, I'm poor, I act this way, now I'm rich, I have a new problem. No, no, no. Money doesn't create the problem. It magnifies the problem. So when you're poor and you're greedy, and all of a sudden you get a million dollars, guess what? Still greedy. Nothing's changed because what, why? Because change happens on the inside out, not the outside in. And that's what he's talking about, the eye of the heart too. The heart and the eye of the heart, materialism. God is not against money. Money is not the villain here. Money is not evil. He actually speaks to people that have a quite significant amount of wealth. And he says this, instruct those who are rich, which I would say is all of us, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth. So I mean, you may be having that awesome job now and tomorrow could be gone. It's uncertain. It's an uncertain thing. The uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all the things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of what is truly life. You know, at Pinewood, we talk a lot in our generosity challenges, like, um, you know, you can live with closed fists or open hands. And that we believe the true life is one of generosity. Well, we say that because that's what the scripture says. That you get a hold, you take hold, it says, of the true life in being generous. Unless it says, oh, I wanted to say this. this I can't miss this. Talking about money. It's not a matter of whether or not the money, uh, whether or not you have money, but of whether or not the money has you. It's not a matter of whether or not you have possessions but of whether or not the possessions have you. That is called idolatry. If money has you, possessions have you, it's called idolatry, and Jesus will not share his glory with anybody. Sorry, I had to get that in. Moving on. Giving, giving, we, we like to say in the churches, are you giving to God? Are you giving to God? Have you given to God? His, I want to change it. I want to change the perspective a little bit. I want to shift it to a more biblical perspective. It's not giving to God, almost just like, all right, God, it's that time of the month again. Here's your 50 bucks. Check. That's giving to God, almost like you're doing him a favor. Again, he doesn't need your money. You're not doing him a favor. 
There's no separation here. Like I gave God my money, now I get to do what I want with the rest of my life. I want, I want to change the narrative a little bit. How, how you say it, I think, matters. I want to say, I want to give it back to God. Because if you believe that all good things come from God, all blessings come from God, then it's a blessing that we get to eat. God, thank you for this provision. God, thank you for this house. God, thank you that I get to have a bike. God, thank you for the provision. I get to brush my teeth. Thank you for giving this little extra this month. I get to pay down my debt. It's a gift from God. It's a miracle from God. Thank you, God. I get to invest in the future. Very few people get to do that. Oh, man, overly blessed. Oh, God, what a gift. I get to invest in my future. Maybe retire one day, set up my kids for success. Oh, God, what a gift. I get to give, I get to give back to you. I'm not, I'm not burdened by a percentage. I get to be generous. God, what are you telling me to give this month? God, you have it. Whatever you tell me to give, it's yours. I'm going to be obedient. This isn't legalism. This isn't the law. This isn't 10% or you're going to hell. No. No. That's not what this is. This is grace. And what does grace call us to? More. Always. You know, in the old, we see the law. In the new, it's more. It's more generous in every area of our life. In the old, don't kill. But in the new, don't hate. In the old, don't commit adultery. In the new, don't look upon a woman with lust or you've committed adultery in your heart. It's, it's more. And that's what I believe God is calling us to today is, is more. Uh, it's all about the mission. Uh, uh, got a few walking points. We're, we're, we're done. Just three walking points. I, I want you to know how you can practically live out these principles in your life today, all the self-discovery things that we discovered. Um, it's this. First, make a commitment. Make a commitment. And, and that's not like you make a commitment to me. Like, don't come tell me your commitment. Uh, I, I don't need to know. It's not make a commitment to me, but make a commitment that you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money. So today, walking point number one, make a commitment. God, you have it all. All my valuables, all my resources, all my heart. You see what happens when you give God your, God your heart, you're actually giving God your all. Make a commitment that you're going to give God your all, not money. Second, make some adjustments. It may be, it may be, as was the case for us, that whenever we said that we want to financially give to the mission of advancing the kingdom, bringing heaven down to Boulder, we wanted to make some adjust. We needed to make some adjustments in our life. So it may be that you need to make adjustments somewhere to do that, to live responsibly, make adjustments, but also live in faith. Miracles don't happen in comfortability. Miracles happen when you sacrifice. And live in faith. Third, make an investment in advancing the kingdom and mission of God. Make a commitment. Make some adjustments. And then make an investment. Because that which you invest in, you care about. Uh, he, he concludes in uh, verse uh, 633 with the text that we talked about a little earlier. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God, I seek your kingdom first. You have my first. You have my all. And God says, and all of these things will be added unto you. He's going to take care of you because he loves you. He's a good father. 
He's calling us as his children to be obedient to what he's calling us to do as it relates to our possessions and our money. Our community at Pinewood Church aims to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus in Boulder and around the world. Thank you for your support. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find out more at pinewoodboulder.com or on any social media platform with the handle at Pinewood Boulder.